1: Hey, 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 and welcome to the Roto Viz College Football Show. We're recording on a Tuesday night, getting ready for a really fun, exciting week. Joined by the wonderful Matt Wispy and the incredible Jordan Hoover. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing tonight? Good, man. Happy to be here with you fellas.
3: Listened to the show last week. I thought you guys killed it. Hopefully, I can add a little bit to what you guys got going on. Well, we're going
4: to need you to add a lot. All right, Jordan? So you <laughs> got to bring your A game. How about you, Matt? How you been? I- I'm happy to be back. Uh, I've been good. Had a good time. Uh running the Twitter account for the show and watching a whole lot of football.
1: I was envious of you boys in a sense because you guys got to watch all the games. I was actually out most of the weekend hunting out in the mountains in uh, Western Colorado, which was amazing. I was bow hunting, which I'd never done before. And the guys I were with are just hard because my brother-in-law and one of his best friends, and they're just hardcore hunters. So like it's 5.15 in the morning. We're up on the four-wheelers getting ready to go. And they're like, okay, uh, we're going to spray some elk pee on you. And I was like, what? What?" I thought they were messing with me at first. But they sprayed themselves down and they sprayed me down and we went out. And it was it was pretty epic. I saw some really massive elk. But one night we decided to, I don't know why, one of the guys wanted to check out this new spot. And eight miles later, and about four hours later, it's pitch black. We're walking through the forest trying to get to this ravine where this creek is. that will lead us back to the house because we couldn't get back to the four-wheelers. And we are trying to cross this ravine, right? And there's all these trees that have fallen over. And so there's like a bridge way to get across if you can balance and walk across.
3: That sounds super safe.
1: Oh oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And now two things you guys don't know about me yet, but I'm sure will come up often is one, I have a terrible sense of balance. I cannot balance to save my life. And, and, And two, I kind of have night blindness. So you can probably see where this is going. All all roads are, all roads are ending in disaster here. Oh, yeah. So I'm surprised
3: I'm, you're here talking. I,
1: I was nervous. I was like, guys, I have to get back for the show. You can't kill me out here. <laughs> um, but they're like, just if you go fast, you'll be fine. <laughs> so I had to go about, it was about, you know, 12 feet across this ravine. And so I'm walking and I can tell that I'm going to slip. And I look up and my brother-in-law looks at me and goes, hurry. And so, like, I just start trying to sprint across. But... I'm kind of like going off the side of this tree and I'm like, I'm not going to make it. So I kind of lunge and do this kind of like half like barrel rolls, I think. And I land on my back on the tree and he just starts laughing as I'm like about to flail and fall off the tree and into the ravine. And he just grabs the bow from me and is like, here, I'll take this and you can get up. And he's just rolling, laughing at me I'm like, dude, I can barely see. I'm about to fall off this tree. I like scraped up and banged up. <laughs> It was pretty miserable, and they thought it was the, funny, the funniest thing in the world. And, uh, yeah, we finally got across. I somehow managed to get all the way to the creek, and then I just sat down. I was like, okay, guys, I'm done. <laughs> and uh, somehow we got out of there, but it was nuts. These guys were, were hardcore. It was pretty crazy. Well, I uh, I
3: don't have any fun hunting stories, but when when I was younger, I did a lot of fishing with my dad, especially when I was, you know— elementary school, junior high age, we'd go out usually every Saturday morning, go fishing. And then we'd come back and watch football, which ties into the show nicely. But uh, I think since you told that story about an embarrassing moment while you're out in the wilderness hunting, uh, I can add a kind of embarrassing story about when I was fishing uh, out on the ocean, probably about three or four miles offshore in North Carolina. Uh, I was probably about 15 years old, the, uh, the water was really choppy that day, and I hadn't really ever been out on a boat in that kind of rough water before, and I was eating Dramamine like M&M's, <laughs> but it, it, uh, <laughs> it did not do the job, and it's the closest I think I've ever felt to dying in my oh, entire man. life. I was sick the entire time. It, it got to the point where I felt so bad that I actually just jumped into the water, which <laughs> thinking about that now is like the scariest thing I've imagined. Absolutely. I, I Cause like the ocean you know literally has dinosaurs swimming around in it and i was just like i just don't care i just want this to be over
4: <laughs>
3: <That's> <laughs> but nuts. we actually caught a lot of fish i mean it was it was a good fishing day for everyone else that was there i got made fun of a lot and uh yeah i, I don't think i'm ever gonna do that again to be honest
1: that that takes some stones though to jump in that water i mean that that's pretty terrifying stuff that's just how
3: i, I just felt so terrible i i could not think of what to do and it seemed like the best idea at the time
1: it's it's <laughs> dark times man dark i love times. it i love it all right cool well let's get moving here boys i wanted to start off by uh i just had this realization this morning that we are as far as from games like most teams have played three games now so we're about a quarter of the way through the season and i just wanted to do like a quick check the pulse of some of these these teams and the heisman watch and kind of get your takes on uh, on some of the biggest changes in your perception of what's gone on so As far as Heisman goes, uh, Matt, what are your thoughts? Where have you changed your mind, or where has your mind been uh, made up even stronger?
4: I was in the camp that Dwayne Haskins was going to be a Heisman contender this year, mostly because I thought the offense was going to shift to a more pass-heavy approach compared to last season when it was pretty heavily centered around running the ball with Weber and Dobbins, but with Haskins now really turning the Ohio State offense into a full-fledged downfield passing offense where the score can kind of get run up in a way that it hasn't been for probably three or four years. He's going to be one of those guys that the stats kind of jump off the page towards the end of the year. And if Ohio State does go undefeated, he's going to be one of those names that's right there with potentially if, if Tua does the same thing in Alabama.
1: I'm not surprised that you picked a Buckeye. Shocker, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, what about you,
3: Jordan? I went with A.J. Dillon, who I thought could potentially compete uh, before the season started. You know, Boston College is kind of a, an interesting story so far this year. I mean, they beat up on Massachusetts Holy Cross, which isn't, you know, too unusual. But they had a big that big win against Wake Forest last week. And looking at S&P, S&P Plus uh, from Football Outsiders up to date as of today, I believe they're actually favored uh, or projected to win every single game remaining except for Clemson. So I'm not necessarily saying Boston College is only going to lose one game this year, but if they end up 10-2, and 9-3, and and A.J. Dillon continues doing the things that he's doing, I think that he'll at least be in the conversation Um, he's a sophomore so you know that's always a bit of a hurdle but looking back at his stat line against Massachusetts he had uh, 98 yards rushing which was the first time he failed to hit 100 yards in since week nine in the previous season so he's just almost guaranteed to get 25 30 touches every single game as long as he's healthy he seems built to handle that kind of uh, assignment and he's just really good at football I, I don't know necessarily if he will win the Heisman but I think that if Boston college continues on this upward trajectory, I think he can be in the conversation.
1: Yeah. And he looked, he looked good um, this last week too. And I mean, I I think we all had a feeling with, you know, the weather coming in and wind and rain, that it was going to be, be a lot of, a lot of that action. And, he just couldn't be be slowed down, really. It was, yeah, that's an, uh, kind of a off-the-radar pick there, but I like it. You guys both went with guys that are, are rising that you like. I am going to go with a guy that I'm taking off my list completely, and this is probably super unfair, but Jonathan Taylor is off my list. I, I mean, I know he's still got 118 yards rushing or something like that, but I think people will kind of attribute that more to the offensive line doing their thing. And with Wisconsin losing and I think there could be more of that in store for them. I don't think he's going to have the numbers and I don't think Wisconsin's going to have the win total to you know really help him get a nod over a guy like Haskins or or Kyler or or one of these other guys. So, I took him off my list and it's probably super unfair, but Wisconsin hurt my feelings this week and I'm bitter and so I am I'm super petty, so he's off my list. It's just how I roll.
4: I actually think that's sort of fair just because it's really – it. when you look over the most recent winners of the Heisman, there's only been like two winners uh, that were a running back or I should say even a non-quarterback since like 2008. You have to put up pretty special numbers and you kind of have to be on a playoff contending team. With that BYU loss, even if they win the Big Ten, they're probably not a playoff contender. right. I, th- I kind of think it's fair to say he could end up finishing third or fourth, but the odds of him winning at this point are pretty slim.
1: That's that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm, well, I'm glad you agree with me. <laughs> uh, let's move on to uh, each of you. Just give me a team that you're either higher on or lower on. I'm going to start out with a team I'm lower on.
4: Um, and this may surprise some people is I'm lower on Notre Dame than the consensus. Love it. Vanderbilt very easily should have beaten them. Their big win on the year is Michigan. I don't know why they're a top 10 team. I mean, they're probably still fringe top 10 for me, just because you kind of run out of teams when you get to a certain point. But, I mean, Notre Dame's not that impressive yet. I don't know what they're better at than they were last year. In fact, I kind of think they're worse at everything they were
1: yeah. at last year. So, What's crazy to me is that if you if you look at their remaining schedule— a lot of the teams that we thought were going to be good don't actually look that good. And they could roll off like a 10 and 2 type season or even, you know, get lucky and one of the, and like beat Virginia Tech somehow, go 11 and 1, and people are going to be clamoring for them to get in the playoffs somehow where they'll end up losing like 62 to nothing to whatever team, whatever the second team in the SEC is. But I, I agree with you completely though, but their schedule is really not as tough as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, so I uh,
3: I may have read this question incorrectly, but uh, I I picked um, LSU. I was kind of looking at it from a perspective of where they're ranked now compared to where I thought they would be at this point in the season. No, oh, perfect. Um, so I know that that's kind of a different way to look at the question, but uh, obviously this you know they're they're boosted by their win against Auburn last week, um, but just looking at this team. You know they're they're ranked sixth right now in the AP poll. Um, their over under win total at the beginning of the year, I believe, was hovering around seven, seven and a half. They're three and zero. Oh. Uh, obviously, the schedule is tough in the SEC West, and I don't necessarily think they're going to end up in the top ten. But I'm just a little bit surprised that you know their defense is is tough like it usually is. And I know we're going to probably talk about them a little bit later, so I'll save some. Some of the Jer- Joe Burrow nuggets for them, but Perfect. Uh, but yeah, they're a team that that is is higher you know or is higher ranked now than I thought they would be coming into the year.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's spot on. I mean, they started off. A lot of people thought that being ranked twenty fifth was already too high, and here they are. Just they just keep climbing. Mine is kind of weird. Uh, the team I'm higher on than I thought I would be is Bama. I uh, I I picked them to win last week, but I didn't think they'd cover. I, I thought their defense was suspect. I thought they was there were gonna be there was gonna be a few games. And there could still be, I mean who knows? But I thought their defence wasn't as good as your typical Bama defenses and that they they'd end up struggling in a few games and I didn't know uh if they'd be able to, to really hang with some of these more prolific offenses and they just shut down Ole Miss outside of one play. And I was I was I was wrong. It was it's that simple. They are they are easily uh the number one team for me right now and i i had them in my mind as you know third or fourth so that that's the one for me which you know pains me to say as i never like being wrong
3: they're a steamroller man it's there's just there's just no other way to to describe it they just look so good
1: yeah it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun watching that offense move the ball all year unless they're playing your team um let's get into some of our picks from last week Um, Before I do that, though, I just want to let you know that whenever I bet, I'm always going to use my bookie. They're the website of choice for me. And it's important to know not only who you're betting on, but who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. You guys have to trust me. This is your best bet this season. They've been in the business for years. They have great reviews online and their mobile site is super easy to use. I would only recommend a service that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. It's so simple. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, over-unders on fantasy points, scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. My bookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code ROTOVIS, that's R-O. T-O-V-I-Z to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code Rotoviz when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 free in play. If you're willing to hold out till after 7, you get that extra $25, but you have to use Rotoviz 25 So that's Rotoviz again with the number 25 right behind it. It's up to you guys, but I'd rather wait till after 7 p.m. and get that extra 25 bucks. And just remember... You play, you win, you get paid. Now let's talk about our picks from last week. Matt and I were on the show, and, and Matt did better than I. He he went three and two. I went two and three. And I would have gone one and four if he hadn't convinced me to change my mind on the LSU Auburn game. So thank you for that, Matt. You're welcome. Yeah, we're gonna get into that game a little bit more in the recap. But yeah, I uh I looked, I was looking at the score on that one. I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I listened to Matt because not only would I have been wrong, like Auburn didn't even like, not only did they not cover, they didn't even win. What did you guys think about that Oklahoma at Iowa State game? We both got that one wrong. At the beginning
4: of the game, it kind of looked like Oklahoma was going to run away with it. But I mean, there's something about Iowa State. They, they really are a no quit team and I never really felt like the game was in jeopardy for Oklahoma. However, it definitely, by like third, the start of the third quarter, it really didn't feel like Oklahoma had a chance to cover. Because every time they'd go down the field, Iowa State would just, they'd put up a long drive and score on their own way.
3: Yeah, and Hakeem Butler really showed out. He was basically unstoppable at points in that game just breaking tackles, uh, you know, long, long passes down the sideline. He was, he was really a factor. And it's kind of like what Matt said, Iowa state, just, it's just something about that team that they are really tough. They're, they're just really tough to blow out. You know, they're almost always going to hang around almost regardless of the competition. You know, obviously looking back now that 17 point spread was uh, a little bit too large, but I, uh, I would have been on the same side as as you two guys, so we we all three would have went down on that one.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to know. I think yeah. at the at the time we recorded and, and talked about it, we weren't quite sure what the extent of Anderson's injury was. And I'd like to use that as my excuse for why the game turned out differently. There, there um, you go. <laughs> so that'll make me feel better. No, one of my best friends, Brandon, is a huge Oklahoma fan. And we were texting back and forth, and he because because he knew he was listening to the show, and he knew I picked Oklahoma, and he's like, "Yeah, oh, great, thanks to the kiss of death," but uh, he's like, "He's like, there's no way this is happening the way you want it to. Oklahoma needs to get their act together; They're not even going to win. Um, but they they took care of business, but it wasn't in the fashion that I had hoped for. That Ohio State TCU game uh, was another one where we were off, but by half a point. So I feel like it's kind of unfair, Matt." That's your team. Take it away, buddy.
4: Even though we were close on the 12 and a half, I did say that I probably would have taken Ohio State up to like 15 or 16 points. So I was pretty far off.
1: Were you nervous at halftime when you were down 14, 13? Well, when Ohio State was down 14, 13?
4: You can say you. I'm part of the team. (laughs) Um, I, I was nervous only because they were just, their offense was so fast that even though we have. I think the best pass rush in the country when they were just running constant screen after screen after screen. And then when we would start playing to the screen and start not rushing as hard, they'd run these just little out outside runs. It was, it, it, I was, I was a little, a little nervous, but then there were a couple of plays where Sean Robinson made the mistake. I was kind of hoping for when he went for the late pitch um that could have gone bad and then the pick six
1: yeah I thought that was a turning point in the game
4: it really felt like once our defense it actually this is going to sound weird but once Nick Bosa went down and we got a stop right away I felt pretty confident from there that okay Greg Shano's done something at halftime to figure something out
3: and And I don't want to I don't want to put this right back on you Matt but I had to ask you about Austin Mack Shut I out. have I, <laughs> I know he's your boy and I mean his you know if you just look at the stat line if you're just box score hunting four for 84 isn't bad
4: wow, but, he's amazing
3: yeah when, yeah but I mean there were a couple points there where he looked completely broken he obviously came back and finished you know he finished pretty strong but that was incredible I mean it, it, I, I didn't know if you had any kind of insight or if that was just a fluke one-off kind of deal or
4: It's one of those, so I don't like saying, I hate the term the yips, but it looks like there for the middle point of the game, he kind of just, there was, he was in his own head about making catches. And what Jordan's talking about is obviously he had like five consecutive drops. Um, It was very clear. They thought that he was going to be a matchup they could exploit because of his size And it looked like it was working. He kept getting open. He kept getting in these spots. And it was just drop after drop after drop. And I'm not sure if it was intentional by the uh, play calling or if it turned out to just be by happenstance. But by force-feeding him the ball the way they did, he ended up getting kind of back into it. I mean, I was super excited the first play on offense when he had, I think it was like a 40-something yard reception. Yeah. But then it was that drop in the end zone And then there was a subsequent drop, I think, on, like, a first down play. So, I I don't know. I'd still love Austin Mack. Honestly, the truth is, until this game, he was our most sure-handed receiver and was – anytime you threw to him, it was either a catch or a pass interference – and so I was I was actually very thrown off by that. But, yeah, I was in fight me mode. Anytime I saw a, a mean tweet about Austin Mack, I was pretty much ready to go at people on Twitter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Now, I, I had two takeaways from this game. One was that Haskins should have been their quarterback last year. I think they would have won even more games. And two, even in the loss, I come away feeling better about TCU than I did before the game. I was really impressed with them, and I think they're – going to be a legit contender um in the big 12 i mean i thought they were going to be good but i think they might be i think they're going to give oklahoma a run for their money that's the best game of the year in the big 12 yeah did either of you guys uh stay up to watch us get our washington at utah game right i tried
3: (laughs) (laughs) i tried but uh being on east coast time and i just have a really old man type sleep pattern so i i think i made it for about a quarter and a half i don't think i made it to halftime but uh, it, it was – this was actually a spot, you know, before the game, I, I actually thought this could be a, a trap spot for Washington. The, you know, they're were a they were short favorite on the road and a tough place to play. Utah is, you know, almost always good on defense, tough, stingy. But from, from what I've read, the recaps and the parts of the game that I didn't see, it sounds like Utah just kind of shot themselves in the foot. Maybe – Maybe wouldn't have won the game even if they executed completely perfectly, but it sounds like it would have been a lot closer if they would have been a little more efficient or made a few less errors. Washington's defense, I think I think that's the takeaway um, out of this game for me is that they are just really good. I think we knew that before, but um, it's just a really solid unit.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And like I lived in Seattle for the last few years, and Browning's been the talk of the town for so long. Um, But I think the real story here is their defense. And I mean, people talk about how good their defense is too. But to me, if you put Browning on any other team, he's, you know, just a a pretty good quarterback. But because he has the strength of that defense to back him up, he's able to um, hide some of his mistakes. I mean, I think you both know I'm not a huge Jake Browning fan. Um, And again, I I thought, you know, the defense carried the day. They're super aggressive uh opportunistic with the three turnovers and then of course Matt you talked about Gaskins last week and he just he has solid I mean they relied on him heavily giving him you know 30 rushes he had 100 over 140 yards and a touchdown and and they just (laughs) they I think they knew that if they were going to get out of Utah with a W they couldn't just let Jake toss it around the yard
4: Gaskins is going to be the best workhorse running back in this upcoming class
3: it's incredible at his size, the, the amount of carries he can handle. It's, it's it's wild. He's I think he's still undervalued at this point.
1: Yeah, he'll definitely be one for us to uh, to circle and highlight in all the uh, draft prep for the NFL that we do. And then, yeah, he gets on the right team. He could be a sneaky, sneaky value next year for sure for, for fantasy football. All right, so we, we covered Bama at Ole Miss a little bit. Um, like I said, that Bama defense is legit. I was super impressed with them. I really was excited with that first play for Ole Miss. I was like, "Oh, this this is going to be interesting. This could be great." And that obviously lasted for about mm, four minutes, and then it was it was over.
3: Yeah, I actually I, I bet the over on this game at I had the number at seventy and a half. So. <laughs> That's... So uh, that was a great that was a great outcome for me. I mean, Ole Miss scores thirty seconds in, and then they don't sniff points after that for the rest of the game. So that was not tilting to watch at all. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I they mean, only like, needed but, ten points too. I mean, come on. And they kept their starting quarterback in until the very end of the game. They it seemed like they were running second and third string at every other position, but they left him in there, which is inexplicable. I don't really understand that at all. But I was just begging for a field goal, and they didn't even get close.
1: Do you still feel um, the same way, Matt, about the wide receiver core for Ole Miss this week as you did last week?
4: Yeah, I mean, I get. I, I, I'll walk away from this and still like as good as Bam. I, I think Bam is going to stifle most teams. I'm surprised that they weren't able to do more. I'm not. I I can't change my opinion too much. I AJ Brown, DK uh, Metcalf, and Demarcus Lodge. They'd be ones. St- each one of them would be the one on ohio state i mean with the exception of austin mac was definitely above all of them but <laughs> they, i mean there to me there's no question that the talent is there so i was a little bit surprised but there's something about it. alabama this they really might be that good this year and i can't i'm just i'm not quite at the point where i'm changing my stance on that receiving core i think it just turned out to be we all underestimated how good Alabama's defense still is.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think, I think going forward, I will um, heed the advice you gave me last week, Matt, or you just shared it was advice you gave yourself is that you don't pick against Bama unless they're going against Ohio state. And yeah, I, I, (laughs) I'm not going to be picking against Bama very often uh, going forward at all. Tua is the truth. I, I, I think he's, I think he could be Saban's first QB to win a Heisman. I, I kind of would be putting my money on that if I had to put money on it today. Um, if they let him work into into games, I think he's just going to be ridiculous and go undefeated. That's, that's, that's my very cold, not hot at all take. <laughs> so let's get into some of the other games. I wanted to start with LSU at Auburn, just going into it a little bit more. We mentioned that this was one of our, our shining victories in our, our picks. And I think one of the reasons was your boy Burroughs, Matt, who like, I think this is this is one of those games where the, the box score kind of lies to you a little bit, where like his completion percentage is only at like 44%, but that doesn't tell, tell you the whole story of what he was actually doing on the field. Do you, do you guys think I'm off on that or do you think that there's something to that?
4: I mean, Jordan's about in probably like 20 seconds going to tell you that he's super meh and nothing. My takeaway from this was Joe Burrow wasn't great. He was kind of average and it kind of seemed like that Auburn home field advantage got to him a little bit. And it was kind of funny to hear him say that it was even louder than Penn State. My wife's a Penn State fan. She heard that and she was like, I don't like him anymore. Um, (laughs) But it was, I think, I what I think it showed in that moment is he is a quarterback that isn't going to get rattled by starting poorly. And in a game that felt like no one was going to get to 30, he was he did just enough. I don't think it was a spectacular performance by Burrow, but I still will say he is the best quarterback they've had since Jamarcus Russell. And, I I mean... Nick Brissett sucks so uh LSU's offense really does need to hope that Burrow was just kind of rattled by Auburn so
3: I I don't have a problem with Joe Burrow necessarily but I and and credit you know credit where it's due he was better than Jared Stidham I think in this game and some people think that Jared Stidham is the QB1 for this year so you know take you know take whatever you want from that. But I think that he is kind of mediocre, but I also think that that might be okay. And I think that he's still in a new situation. They're breaking in a ton of youth at the wide receiver position. There's really no one established on, you know, from last season uh, coming over to this season. So I think it's a a work in progress. And I think that he's going to get the, uh, the gritty, the intangible tag probably slapped on him, but you know, as long as the team keeps winning uh, i don 't i don 't necessarily think we expected the world of Joe Burrow coming into the year, so I, I think he 's just fine just fine
1: yeah i was I was nodding my head when you were talking because I think he does fit this team well, where they can run the ball, rely on their defense, and then he can stretch the the field with those those deeper passes. I mean he was averaging sixteen point six yards per completion this i mean part of that 's because he only had fifteen completions but um, and a lot of run after the catch, but I do think he fits this team nicely. I
4: agree, except I hate Ed Ogeron, um, so I don't want to give him credit.
1: <laughs> that's fair. Now, how about Auburn? Uh, you, you mentioned Stidham. How, what did you think about the rest of the rest of the team's performance, Jordan?
3: Uh, I, I don't really know what to make of Auburn. I think that their defense is good, and I don't necessarily think that's a surprise per se, um, but I just don't know if they have enough playmakers on offense necessarily to, to stay at the level that they were at last year, like, and beat Alabama, for instance. I know it keeps going back to Alabama, but you know, the team that we saw against LSU on Saturday, I don't think they stay within three touchdowns of Alabama. It's that kind of thing. And they're, again, they're, they're breaking in a lot of new players too. And you know, uh Jartavius Whitlow, I believe, is probably their lead back moving forward. I think he should he be. Yeah. He had a hundred yards against LSU's defense, which, you know, is is impressive in its own right. But there's just something about this offense that I can't quite get behind yet. And and it might get better. It and I have to keep reminding myself that it's still just the second week in September. Right. A lot of a lot can happen between now and, you know, December, the end of the season, but it's just something not quite right and stidham just seems very uneven to me i I don't necessarily think that he's a bad quarterback but i just his inconsistency is is kind of worrisome
1: yeah i think what's interesting to look at too with these two teams is is when you look a look ahead at their schedules i mean lsu is going to be a big player in determining what takes place in the sec i mean they have a, a gauntlet the three weeks in a row of georgia mississippi state and bama and if you look at auburn they have to go on the road to Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Georgia, and Bama. I mean, they could easily end up losing all four of their game, all four of those games and then also get to have Texas A&M come into their building, which will be a tough game. So as good as Auburn has looked and is I mean, they 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 were ranked fairly high and they could end up looking at a bunch of Ls on their season when everything's said and done. It's it's going to be interesting for both these teams going forward and yeah, this LSU stuff is really shocking to me and it'll be interesting to see how they handle those uh those three games
4: I really like LSU but I think neither one of these two teams is the third best team in the SEC that should say that I think LSU is going to lose each one of those three game stretches or each one of those games during the three game stretch and I think there's a real chance neither one of these teams is top 25 at the end of the year
1: who do you have at number three Mississippi State
4: yeah Their offense has the potential to just be unreal.
1: Yeah, I like them too. All right, so did we learn anything from the USC Texas other than we can't trust either of these teams? (laughs) I think that Amon Ross St. Brown is really good at football. What a name. What a
3: fantastic name. Yeah, and it's it's exciting to know that... uh, St. Brown and, and JT Daniels will have the chance to play together, presumably, for the next two to three years. And I, I was kind of flipping back and forth uh, between this game, and this was on the same time as Ohio State, I believe, so I was kind of flipping back and forth. But every time I saw him, uh, he I, – I don't want to be like too tape grindy on this, but he just looks like he has, you know, route running and awareness – far beyond he's only 18 years old uh he already kind of looks like a technician out there and I you know I think that he could be really 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 special down the road yeah this this game I don't know why but I was just kind of I I tended to I tended to want to watch the Ohio State game more than this one put it that way
4: what I kind of found funny was during this game I think I was messaging I think it was you during the game or somebody else and we were kind of laughing about Texas not being good. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> they pulled away and just crushed them. And then, uh, like, I I can say I watched none of this game because Ohio State. But, like, Texas not being good. Oh, la, ha, ha, ha. Texas coming, being back, blah, blah, blah. And then this morning, I happened to, like, listen to something. And they were talking about the Big 12 and how the Big 12 is, you know, Texas is really going to be in there. And I'm just sitting there to myself thinking is a win over this usc team really that impressive at this point i mean i like jt daniels i actually think that he's third in this like freshman class of quarterbacks which before the year i thought he was like just uh, just below uh fields and trevor lawrence and i think i was probably a little too high on him but with that being said like what is this usc team Stephen Carr got 13 yards rushing. Uh, the wide receiver we all thought that was going to explode this year, Tyler Vaughns, had 36 yards receiving. And Michael Pittman, who I honestly thought was the most talented receiver on the team last year, had 16 yards receiving. I don't know if this USC team is good on offense. Their defense obviously sucks because I think Texas is kind had been pitiful to this point. I don't know. I don't think Texas is anything, so if this is Texas is back, the Big 12's in trouble.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. I think my my takeaway from this game was exactly the question I started with. I learned nothing watching this game other than USC is not nearly as good as I hoped they would be. And again, I'm an I'm an Oregon fan, so I want the Pac 12 to. To represent, and I just I was surprised by how bad USC looked and again i don't I don't trust either of these teams going forward and I also am shocked to hear people talking up Texas um, after this win but that is what happens we had one really big upset this week uh BYU going to Wisconsin and coming out with a w now last week Matt and I talked about what would happen if the game, if a game came down to Hornybrook needing to win it with his arm. Now I did not think we would be answering that question a week later, but uh, we saw the result and it was not, not pretty at all.
4: Alex Hornybrook isn't a good quarterback and it's sort of disappointing because there was a stretch where I thought he was, and this is going to offend Jordan. Uh, I thought he was very similar to Trace McSorley. I thought he was a guy that was going to show up in certain moments and it it's now kind of gone the other way in the fact where Trace McSoyley rises when the pressure seems to be on him and Alex Hornibrook seems to just die on the field. Um, Not to put it so bluntly, but whenever the moment is needed for Alex Hornibrook to become a very quality quarterback, he becomes the worst quarterback to step foot in the state of Wisconsin. And I mean, the fact that this game was even close like I'm not – I honestly don't even know if this is a huge win. I mean it, it's a huge win resume-wise for BYU, but I'm not sure it says that much. I think it says that they came – Wisconsin came into this game, didn't think that they needed to just run the ball down BYU's throat and say we're going to rely on our star um, in Jonathan Taylor and have this be his Heisman moment where he does a Saquon Barkley versus Iowa type thing, where he just puts up like 300 all-purpose yards. And instead, they they really just, they weren't, they didn't do anything. I mean, the fact that they only put up seven points in each of the first two quarters, I mean, you, have, you definitely have them outsized in the trenches on both sides of the ball. You should be dominating that. I don't care what BYU what BYU scheme they brought to the table Jonathan Taylor shouldn't leave this game averaging less than 7 yards per carry
3: yeah i agree um i didn't see any of this game this was one that i kind of caught you know sc- uh, scrolling on the bottom of the screen once you realized that it was going to be close and i know that BYU only won by a field goal but Again, referencing uh, Bill Conley's S and P Plus, he does this post game win expectancy, which I think is pretty interesting to look at. You know, normally when a game's decided by three points, you would think that, you know, the post game win expectancy would be pretty close to fifty fifty. Uh, Wisconsin's was only thirty five percent. So, to me, you know, I read that as saying that BYU didn't really get lucky here necessarily. I think that they just outplayed Wisconsin, which I absolutely would not have expected. So, this was a big loss because I think that you know Wisconsin probably had playoff aspirations coming into the season uh we we know that it it's a it's a difficult road for them to get there, but this really really, really damaged them it's i I just did not see this one coming at all,
1: yeah, I didn't either, and like i said i I picked Wisconsin to get out of the big ten they were you know, kind of my uh, so embarrassing to even admit it, but they I had them as a playoff team. I mean, and now I'm I i do not even know what I was thinking. But yeah, my feelings here are, are. hurt now. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh, I had to eat that one quickly. Uh, last last game we'll talk about before we look in, look ahead to next week is Boise State at Oklahoma State. What were your thoughts, Jordan?
3: Well, um, Boise State was completely overmatched on the interior and exterior of their offensive line all the way across. Oklahoma State pretty much caused havoc pressure whenever they wanted but I also thought that Brett Rippon the Boise State quarterback I thought he played really well and considering the amount of pressure that he was under this is another game that I was flipping back and forth but it seemed like every time I saw him drop back he had somebody draped on top of him but somehow he managed 380 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions, which is crazy considering the circumstance he was put in. I don't know how you guys feel about him necessarily as an NFL prospect, but in a 2019 class that is sort of down, I think maybe we would agree. I, I, that was something I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on just to see if you think that if you think he has what it takes to make an NFL roster, to get drafted, or – is he just not that good or just how you guys thought about that?
4: I think there's a chance he gets drafted. I, I think what you said is, is right in the fact that it's, it's pretty driven by the fact that this class isn't super exciting. I mean, there's probably what five guys that you could make some case for being the quarterback one uh, and none of them, none of them make you want your NFL team to tank. But I think there are a few things of notes. I mean, he is averaging 9.3 yards per attempt. Um, his adjusted yards per attempt this year is at over 10. It's actually at 11.1, which is pretty crazy. And he's he's been pretty decent at protecting the ball his whole career. He's never had a season with more than eight interceptions, So, and he doesn't have one yet to this point in the year. So the problem with coming out of Boise State or any of these schools that aren't Power 5 is if you don't come into this into your final year with some level of hype surrounding you, you're probably not going to be a day, a top two day pick. And that's sort of like the reason Josh Allen was where he was is because he came into the year already there. And I don't know. I, for ripping to have really made this jump up into that class with uh, Justin Herbert, I'm going to say Ryan Finley towards the top of the class tier. I do think that he would have needed to put up kind of, special numbers on a team that was really competitive just based on the fact that he didn't have the preseason hype. But I mean he's six foot two, over two hundred pounds. His measurables like are fine. And if he he's one of those guys that could kind of Kyle Laletta his way into the like known Prospects, even though I mean he is at a better school than Laletta was. So I don't know. I'm kind of talking in circles and saying I think he'll get drafted. I think he could end up on a roster. I don't know if I see him as an NFL starter.
3: And Oklahoma State has a defense apparently. So that's probably the the takeaway from this. Uh, We we usually don't get to talk about that. It's it's usually just offense with this team. So we'll see if that carries over moving forward. But um, yeah, I was impressed with their defense from what I saw. (laughs)
4: I mean, they held Madison pretty well in check, and I thought, coming into this game, I actually did like Boise State to just outright win it, even as a slight underdog. So, I mean, I I really do leave this game impressed with Oklahoma State. Me too. They're they're probably my third team in the Big 12, and they may prove me to be idiotic by having them behind TCU.
1: Well, before we move on to our Week 4 picks, I just want to take a second to tell you guys about fantasy math. I know a lot of our listeners play fantasy football. Uh, I know we do. I'm a huge fantasy football nerd, and I just recently discovered fantasy math, and I absolutely love it. It helps answer the question, who should I start, which is a question I ask myself every single week. If you need to choose between player X and player Y, just put your matchup into fantasy math, and they'll help you out with those big calls. A player's variability, whether you're the favorite, it all correlates across your matchup. So, Fantasy Math takes it into account. It takes in all the variables, whether you're up or down, what kind of points you're going to need from a different player, and it helps you make the right call. It's matchup specific. And right now, RotoViz listeners get a season membership for just 20 bucks by using the link rotoviz.fantasymath.com. Don't miss out. That's rotoviz.fantasymath.com. I highly recommend it. I've been loving it, and I really think you will too. Um, and now let's get into our week four picks. Let's start off with Georgia at Missouri, plus plus fourteen and a half. What do you think, Matt?
4: I really like Drew Locke. Georgia kind of looks like a buzzsaw to me right, right now. And I'm not sure where if they get stopped before the SEC championship game. And I honestly don't know if they really get much of a struggle until the SEC championship game. So I'm not – they're one of the teams right now that I'm just not – unless the numbers like – 35. I probably don't even consider it it, with them against most teams.
1: What do you think, Jordan? You, you go on Georgia as well.
4: Yeah, I'm with you. I
3: I think that, I think this, um, you know, I think this number is small and I kind of agree with Matt. I think Georgia is close to that buzzsaw territory. And I just think back to what they did to South Carolina in week two on the road. And I know that South Carolina and Missouri aren't necessarily built the same way, but I think they are kind of similar level as far as maybe efficiency and talent spread across different positions. And yeah, Georgia is kind of a team that if, you know, with real money on the line, I'm not betting against them. Um, If I don't like the, the line, I just won't bet. But I'll take Georgia. I'll lay the 14 and a half
1: yeah i like it i have a whole list of notes here and they all if you just read my notes and didn't see who i'd pick you'd think i picked missouri because it's all about how awesome drew lock has looked i mean 69 completion 11 to 1 touchdown ratio he's averaging over 350 a game all this kind of stuff i've got on my but man i can't pick against georgia and one of the things i did before i decided who I was going to take is i just looked ahead a little bit and to to see like who's Georgia got coming up on the schedule. And I don't think this is a trap game for them. I think they're going to be ready for Missouri. They know Missouri is a good team. They know Locke can can sling that ball. And it's going to be on ESPN. These things, I I think, make a difference for college players. I think they like getting up for these big games. And so I expect Georgia to roll. I think we're going to see Fields get involved a little bit at QB. And I think it's going to be, if you just wouldn't watch a really impressive performance. I think George is going to, is going to give us one. Uh, but yeah, so it's a sweep. All, all three of us are, are picking Georgia. A game that I, I, I haven't made up my mind yet. I, Cause I already said like, this is not the next game we're going to talk about. is not a game I would put money on, or I will not be putting money on Texas A&M at Bama minus 27. That's a real high number. And yet, like I said earlier, I can't bet against Bama. So I don't know what to do. What are you guys going to do with this one?
3: I mean, again, I'm at the point where I'm not betting against Bama. Um, I I agree that this is a really big number, and I think that Texas A&M is absolutely much better on the defensive side of the ball than Ole Miss, I mean, hands down. Um, So I think there might be a little bit of recency bias, perhaps, on what we saw, but again, I, I just can't. You know, at home, it seems like now that they've incorporated a vertical throwing scheme with Tua. Uh, Now they have a quarterback who can really do damage. It seems like the team is complete almost at every single facet. So it's a really big number. I don't like laying that, especially like in conference, in division. Texas A&M, I think, is tougher maybe than we think. But I'll just take Bama for the purposes of the game.
4: I'm going to break my rule here. And I hate doing it. I won't actually lay money on this game because I'm terrified to do this. But I would, I'd give, I'd take the points with A and M, only because they hung tough with Georgia, and I kind of think Georgia and Alabama are near the same tier. I know the game's on the road in Alabama. I know Alabama has the potential to just score in waves in a way that almost no one in the country can. I'm not making a case for uh Texas A&M very well. I don't really want to give up 27 points to a team that I think is like they, they're right. I mean, they they could be one of those teams that we're looking at at the end of the year and saying, Oh, maybe that win by Georgia um, was actually great. So yeah, I'm, I'm breaking my rule and I'll take, I'll take the points.
1: Well, it might make you feel better to know that the Aggies um, are 3-0 against the spread, um, <laughs> and in the last three meetings, they've only been losing by an average of, like, 15 points a game. Now, those are different teams, of course, but that's something to keep in mind, so, you know, you can rest easy a little bit. My my fear is, like, we all know Bama can put up points. I could see them putting up 50 again this week, and that means Tamu needs to get three scores, three touchdowns, to to beat that spread. And I don't know if they can do that against this defense. If I had to put money on it, I'd probably put money on Bama. But that might be because I'm overreacting to my poor choice last week. Um, But again, yeah, this is not one I'd feel very comfortable on. I might lean the over just because I could see this thing getting crazy. Let's move on. We've been talking a lot about uh, the Big 12. TCU at Texas. Texas is giving... Or Texas has the three and a half points on their side. Again, like I said, I don't think I learned anything about Texas. To me, this is the one that I'm going to bet the most money on, and I'm taking TCU. I think they're going to win pretty handily. Gary Patterson's team have won and covered in four straight and five of the last six against Texas, and I think that trend continues this week. What do you think, Matt?
4: I think that TCU showed a lot last week, and... Part of me thinks that they like you could get the whole thought of like they put everything they had into it last week and this is sort of their like rest week. But it's also the fact that they're going up against Texas in Texas and they want to show that as of right now, they are the dominant team in the state. And I think the underlying thing about these games a lot of the times is the fact that for a team like TCU, this is a really good opportunity to impress some of the bigger recruits in the state of Texas. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm taking TCU. I, I said earlier, I think Texas sucks. Um, so I'm, I'm just gonna, I'll take TCU cause I think there's a chance they may come into this game with the mentality that they want to run up the score and put on a show so they can go around next weekend and tell the recruit, why are you considering going to play for Tom Herman in Texas? play for the best coach in the state, play for the team that just ran them off the field.
3: I'll tell you what, you guys really have no respect for the Matthew McConaughey factor, do you? All right, none, all right, all right. None whatsoever. It's 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 really it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart deep, but I think that I'm going to I'm going to also go with TCU here. I think that Matt, what you mentioned about their the pace that they came out with against Ohio State last week, if they do the same thing against Texas who has a good defense, but I think we all agree is probably not as good as Ohio State's defense. I think TCU could come out real strong at the beginning of this game and maybe not get caught. I just don't know if Texas has enough on offense to be able to play catch up necessarily. And if that scenario plays out, I think TCU probably covers this number easily. It's a tricky spot. I mean, yeah, no, I'm staying
4: TCU. The number does feel a little bit trappy in the sense yeah. of like it, it. if you were just coming into this game with the look at what TCU did last week, look at Texas this year and how they basically I mean, they for the better part of the game against Maryland were dominated it. This number you would come into it thinking they should be a bigger favorite. So that worries me a tiny bit. But at the same time, I just I've seen nothing from Texas for why I'm going to hang with them.
1: Yeah, my biggest fear for this game actually is that I'll be bored by halftime because TCU will have scored so many points and it won't even be close. <laughs> that's, that's really what I think is going to happen. Um, yeah. So let's move on. This one pains me greatly, but I'm picking Stanford to cover at Oregon. And it hurts me to say it. Oregon last week against San Jose State just didn't look great. And maybe they were just looking ahead. Maybe they... We're thinking about Stanford already and didn't take San Jose state seriously, but they didn't, they, yeah, they didn't show up. They didn't look impressive at all. I was not happy with um, Herbert's performance. He looked sloppy. He was missing reads and I just don't see the playmakers outside of him. Like I don't see the the talent that I'm used to um, on Oregon's offense. And I think they could get, they could get beat up pretty badly on both sides of the ball up front. I think the offensive line of Stanford could really push or uh, push the ducks around pretty easily on both sides of the ball. And this is going to be one of those games that I'm going to want to watch. But for the sake of my children's sweet, innocent ears, I probably shouldn't Jordan. Can you, can someone tell me I'm wrong and pick Oregon?
4: I'll, I'll jump in here and make you feel a little bit better about Oregon here. I, I do think I would take them assuming I could get them at three points. Um, I this is one of those lines that I'm already seeing spots where it's at like two, where it's at one and a half. So if you're gonna get Oregon, kinda shop it because it is sort of important uh to get that three points here because I don't actually think they're gonna win. I I would be a little bit surprised if they win it on the field. But here here's kind of my thought process for uh liking them over Stanford. It's mostly I'm not really sure Stanford's shown us anything. San Diego State, sure that that win looks it looks great. It's a thirty-one to ten win. It was also JJ Arcega Whiteside's just blow up game where he destroyed just an overmatched secondary. Um, I think we've proven at this point that win over USC. It was a home win, um, and they won by two touchdowns. Which right now, Texas just beat them by a million. So. I'm not Again, I'm just not sure. And then UC Davis, meh, nothing. This is their first road game, and, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Oregon's not exactly a fun place to play if you're a road team. Austin's a beautiful so, place. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's a lovely, lovely place. I'm sure it's not as fun for Stanford. <laughs> Indeed. So um, first road game of the year going against, uh, I mean, I, I think Herbert's a real quarterback. I think they getting love back for the game helps Stanford, but I would, I I don't think Oregon, it wouldn't shock me if they out, if they came out and outright won. So in that situation, if I'm looking at a game like that and I'm getting points, just give me the points here. Also, I hate taking favorites so much. So
3: yeah, this is, this is a tough one. I I think, I think I'm also going to go with Oregon here. I I don't feel great. I love both. of them. I don't feel great about it because I think that I think that Bryce love, you know, it's I guess it's still a question as to how healthy he is. I know that it, you know, they're saying that he'll be back. I, I don't know if we know exactly how right he is yet. I think that he obviously makes a huge difference, um assuming we see him somewhat close to what we saw last year, if he's back to that level. But it's a rogue game. And like Matt said, I don't know exactly if we know that much about Stanford from their last three games yet. It's it's tough, but I'll, I'll take the points with Oregon at home.
1: All right, let's finish up with Notre Dame at Wake Forest. Jordan, why don't you go with this one first? Man, I
3: was all over Vanderbilt last week. That was one of the uh, w- one of the few things that I got right. I even had a little bit on the money line, almost got there. But this is an interesting game. I, th- I think that Notre Dame has some has some issues on offense that, you know, it, it devolves into Brandon Wimbush kind of just running around at times and this very weird thing where they don't trust him to run a play action pass at the goal line, which Doug Flutie, I believe, was on the color color call with Mike Tarico on that game last Saturday. And it was just a very weird situation. But I think Wake Forest is, you know, respectable enough. Um, and this game is at Wake Forest. Correct. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take Wake Forest. I, I think I might be a little bit biased because I have a tendency to pick against Notre Dame. But I mean, they're um, getting more than a touchdown. I mean, seven and
1: a half points.
3: Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the points with Wake Forest.
1: Yeah, I'm doing the same. I think if it was less than a touchdown, because I do think Notre Dame will win, but I think it's gonna. I think they're gonna squeak one out. I'm gonna be because I I tend to root against Notre Dame, so I always kind of hope they lose, and I think they're gonna barely pull one out and. Yeah, I have not been impressed. I think Wimbush's best game of this year is going to be that week one game against Michigan, and I think it's all slightly going downhill from there. Uh, but I think they'll do just enough to get the win at Wake Forest. So full
4: disclosure, I'm the reason why we're picking this game. There were other games that were on the list, um, and the reason <laughs> why I, I wanted this game is because this if this would be my number one pick of the week, and it's taking Wake Forest... I mean, Vanderbilt's a good team, and I'm sure that in a lot of situations, like, they're they're probably better than Wake Forest on the field, and they should have outright beaten Notre Dame last week. At home, I'm taking Wake Forest here because this is going to be the Greg Dort show. Um, I was... Not high on him coming into the year because he's like five foot seven, 170 pounds. That's exaggerating, but he's not a big wide receiver, and he has been phenomenal for Wake Forest. And I think he is going to light up this Notre Dame defense. And I, I mean, I I just I'm not sure their offense can hang. I I will have probably a small amount of money on the Wake Forest money line, but I would definitely be on this Wake Forest catching points at home
3: i wanted you to tell me to take out a small loan and put on the wake Forest money line but you're not (laughs) willing to do that
4: no i I can't go that far i'm sorry all right if there's any like if you see player props on tyler johnson that's what you can take out your loan for in a different different world
3: there you go you got to get that name drop in
4: love it i I have if i don't mention tyler johnson then i failed
1: contractually (laughs) obligated yeah Right, I love it. I'm looking forward to this week, guys. Before we head off, do you guys have any uh, straight straight upsets that you guys want to pick?
4: Ooh, now I gotta go quickly glance over it again. Well, I, I mean, I'll give Wake you Force one while you're. One.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll give you one. I, I, I'm, I think Wisconsin's gonna lay another egg. I, I think Iowa's gonna beat them straight up this week. Iowa's a nasty team. They, they like to get dirty. They play everyone tough, and I think they're gonna pull it out. I think Wisconsin's still gonna have. They're still gonna be hungover. They're not gonna be happy with what happened, and I think it's going to derail them for for another week. That's my upset pick this week.
4: Uh, My upset pick is Tulane over Ohio State. Um, (laughs) No, um, I think uh, looking across, it wouldn't baffle me if Arizona State actually did come out and beat Washington. I'm not going to pick it, though. Yeah, there's not a lot of great ones for me this week. I think my biggest one probably would be... uh, Wake Forest over Notre Dame.
3: Yeah, I I don't really I don't really see a ton. I'm scrolling across the lines at My Bookie, of course, but I don't see a ton that stands out. Um Indiana at home against Michigan State is a little bit interesting. Um they're getting one sixty six on the money line, they're five point dogs. Indiana's I think kind of sneaky good and Michigan state, I think is sneaky, maybe, not bad. <laughs> as, yeah, maybe not as good as we thought. So yep. just at a quick glance, that like might it. be worth checking out perhaps.
1: No, I think that's a great call. And you know, what's crazy is every week we get these upsets. I mean, we never see them coming. No one saw Wisconsin coming last week. So that's one of the things I love about college football is you never know what's going to happen. There's always these crazy games and it's just about, you know, buckling in and getting ready for it. So, I'm excited for the week for the weekend to come and uh to to plop down in front of in front of the t v for about fourteen hours and watch some good college football here, here. all right, guys Jordan, let everyone know where they can find you,
3: yeah, on twitter at jhoover nine seven eight seven putting out an article every week I wrote of his when the Debbie breaks, just breaking down some college football happenings players stuff happening that you might. Find useful for Debbie leagues or dynasty leagues, or just trying to wrangle the massive monster that college football is. Great, Matt.
4: You can find me on Twitter at Wispy the Kid, and I also have my weekly college football article over at RotoBaller, uh, the Ahead of the Game series.
1: Great, and you can follow the show at Rotoviz CFB Show on Twitter. So please do that, and then I'm at Stay Fun We look forward to all the conversations with you guys in the future. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to rate the show, leave a review, and of course, hit that subscribe button. And we want to hear from you guys, so reach out to us on Twitter. Give Matt a hard time anytime he's running that account because he loves to get riled up. Have a great night. Thanks, guys.